G'day, Frosty here. At iSpied, we pride ourselves on bringing you only the finest quality in podcasting. And unfortunately, this week, you might notice the odd crackle pop or skip during the episode. Really, if I didn't mention it, you probably wouldn't have noticed. But being the aficionados of the very best in audio content that we know you are, we didn't want you to think that we were letting our standards slip. And why might this have happened? Well, our producers might tell you that it could have been a faulty connection in a headphone splitter, which is (laughs) way too prosaic. I mean, seriously. While I might tell you that the audio interference is very reminiscent of an ASIO Alent audio intercept operation, which is patently ridiculous because they can just download it for free from Spotify, Nova, Apple, Tass, Xinhua, or wherever they get their podcasts. So we just wanted to assure you that no malware has been downloaded onto your device and we'll be back to our normal standards of excellence next week. Enjoy the app. So, Michelle. So, David. Remember way back when we first proposed this podcast together and mm. we went, gee, you know, how many episodes are we going to squeeze out of this? I mean, how much How much can you talk about intelligence and spies and politics? How much? I, you know what? I thought it was a limited amount of time. I did too. But no. The world literally... <laughs> threw up intelligence stories everywhere and nothing at the moment is bigger than the two leaders that have so screwed themselves yes. and intelligence. Yes. Of course, I'm talking about one Donald Trump yes. and one Scott Morrison. I know, two like-minded individuals. Two, two useful idiots that have thrown themselves on the fire of stupidity yes. and I'm, you know what, I'm professionally jealous. I thought I was stupid, but my God, these guys take the cake. So today, I want to talk about leaders behaving badly. Oh, yes, let's do it. Yep. You're listening to I Spied, the skiff of Australian intelligence. Right, so we can't take this top secret file out of here. You know that, don't you? No, I think I can do whatever I want. Yep. Another thing is, why is the skiff my bathroom? I, I don't know, but can, we, can I eat McDonald's in here? Yeah, sure. It's going to be the same as what I'm getting rid of. Right. Hello and welcome to I Spied. My name is Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Callan. And today we're going to dig into leaders and their relationship with spy agencies. And two in particular, one Donald Trump, who you may have seen has been in a bit of trouble with the FBI. Never heard of him. You know, um, just throwing things like Espionage Act at him, you know. And the other one is Scott Morrison, who may have thought that he was overqualified for his one job, so took on five others. Damn, I wish I could take that many jobs at once. Don't you wish you could just go, yeah, I'd like to do that job and just sign yourself up and you got it. I mean, this is the man that couldn't hold a hose, but could apparently hold all of these departments. Could hold a cabinet in his back pocket. Yes. So let's start with Trump. Yeah, because Trump to me is the most fun. And I've been doing a bit of research on this because I find it very interesting. Yeah. And the Espionage Act... I find incredibly in- interesting. Oh yeah, yeah, as well. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is an act that was founded. It's like one of the oldest acts. It was founded like in 1917. Yeah, yeah. It was way back in the World War One. Yes, right. And uh, I mean, Rand Paul is currently trying to. You know, the Republican, I think, congressman is trying to have it. Yeah, he wants it gone. He, of course, because it serves the Republicans at the yeah, moment to have it, it gone. He wants it gone because they used it against conscientious objectors back in 1917. Well, kind of yes and no, but anyway, that's not the point. They set it up obviously because a country that hadn't actually gone into many external wars other than, say, the Spanish War where they were fighting for the Philippines. Mm. Other than that, they really hadn't had any 
outward reach, and yes. then World War One, they reached out. They went over yeah. to Europe, and that's when they started their, you know, their doctrine of policing the world. I yeah, think. and no sitting or well former nope. president has ever been charged under the Espionage Act, and I do have to say that he hasn't. But they are kind of bending this out. They're waving it um, yes. at his lawyers, going, "Well, guys, you know." And the the thing is, it all comes down to the FBI search and yes. warrant search and seizure. As much as people like to call it a raid or my was under siege. You weren't. Your lawyers were presented with the warrant before it all happened. They were actually present. You watched it via camera. Yes. So they found, I think it was 11, maybe 15. It was 11. It is 11. The number was 15. Right. Of classified documents. Yes. Now, what was interesting about this was they had given the president and his legal team every opportunity to hand them over before that. Yeah. And they had suspicion that they were there. Mm-hmm. And the former president's legal team had signed a document saying, we do not have any documents. No, no, I gave that back to the library. Sorry. Yeah. It's like, you know, he got an overdue no- library notice. He did. And he ignored it. He absolutely ignored it. So, what they did was they put up some surveillance footage yeah. because they knew where they were. They were down in the basement. At Marilago, yeah, and they were watching, and they could see that a lot of people were going in and out, and they were worried about the security of these documents, and also the photocopier that Jared Kushner had probably parked <laughs> next to the boxes and kept going and opening boxes and putting the paper through the photocopier. Yes. We'll get onto that later. Yeah. Now the thing is, the excuse he gave was. Well, everything that I removed from the White House was immediate. Well, from the Oval Office. Let's just get this really. Yes. It's, we've got to be very specific with this. Everything that I took out of the Oval Office was automatically declassified. Which is an actual lie. I'm just going to hit the buzzer now and go, yep. Ah, yep. absolutely wrong. It is okay. absolutely wrong and it is an actual lie. Now, would you like to know about the declassification of intelligence? Yes, go. It's a very important thing, right? Go, do it. The most important thing you need to know about the declassification of intelligence is you have to talk to the source. Yeah. Right? So if you've got a file from the energy department about the nuclear arsenal that you have and how you use them and how you deploy them, that needs to be declassified by the energy department because they've got to go through the file and go, yeah, we can give you that piece of paper, but yeah, that name, we've got to redact it. Yep. So the file gets redacted, right? When you do have classified material from anyone, you need to open it in what's called a skiff. Right. And no, we're not talking about one of those little things that you leave outside a building site. That's and, a skip. And, yeah. And every, <laughs> I know. And everyone in the neighbourhood goes, great, I can get rid of my rubbish. <laughs> yeah, totally. And dumps it in there. Yep. So the poor builder comes to a full skip. Right. A skiff is a secure compartmentalised information facility. Right. Right. And that is where you play with confidential material. Now, yes, the Oval Office would be a skiff. By its very nature, it would have to be a skiff. And I think you'd probably find that there would be an argument that the residents in the White House and certain areas, the Situation Room, certain offices within the White House would all be skiffs. They'd have to be because of the intelligence going through. And, you know, if somebody wakes the president at 2am in the morning to say, look, we've got this incredible intelligence report, we need you to read it. He's not going to get up and go down to the Oval Office. He's going to read it in bed. I mean, that's what Martin Sheen did. Yeah. I mean, so that must be true. It must be true. I mean, what's interesting as well is to be charged under the Espionage Act, it does not matter whether the documents were classified or declassified. It only matters if they're of sensitive of nature. Yeah. Now, understandably, if it's declassified, the sensitivity of it has dropped. Yes. Now, to declassify a file, you have to go through it, redact it, make sure there's nothing in there that's going to give away standard operational procedures. Mm names of sources, anything like that, and then you put a line through the classification. So it's got top secret, you put a line through it, then a stamp on the folder of the file or a stamp on the document and the date – 
that it's been declassified mm. and the signature of the person declassifying it. None of those files had that on them. No, because they did have top secret. Top secret. And they had, I think it was TSCI, so it's top secret C- CIA. So it was something to do with the CIA. Yeah, probably. Uh, now, that's the interesting thing when you go, and we do. I think we do have an episode on intelligence yes. uh, classification. I mean, the interesting thing about that is with a top secret code, you then, top secret doesn't stop at top secret. Yeah. It goes top secret absolute, which is another level of top secret. And then you get top secret code word where each individual organization has its own code word. Yes. So if you look at something like ASIO, ASIO would be top secret scorpion. Yep. That means ASIO has produced that piece of intelligence. And if you want to declassify that piece of intelligence, you got to call ASIO. Right. There was an interesting point. Trump actually did it very early on in his in his presidency, where he kind of declassified all this information about Israeli, like Mossad or Shin Bet operatives working inside ISIS yeah. without telling the Israelis he did it. So suddenly the Israelis had to pull all of these assets out of Syria yeah. because he just decided, I can tell anybody what I want. You're not allowed to do that. You can't communicate someone else's intelligence yeah. without their permission. Now, the interesting stuff that we need to find out is what was exactly in the files. We don't really know what is in them. We do know that one of the files contained information about the French President Emmanuel Macron. Uh We don't know what that is. Probably the fact that Trump's wife really sort of (laughs) found him sexy. (laughs) Yeah, probably. And there are rumblings that another of the files contains information about nuclear. We don't know if it's weaponry or Deployment, how they make them. Now, that hasn't been confirmed, so we do not know that. A possibility one of the files in there was human sources in Europe. Right. Right. So human intelligence assets in Europe, and that's really bad. Right. That's a serious breach of security because that's literally putting people's lives at risk. Yeah. Now, the problem with it is, and this is a really important point that everyone has to keep in mind, we don't know what are in those files and we shouldn't know what's in those files. Yep. We shouldn't know. It's intelligence. It's classified information. It's Everyone wants to know, and I know we all desperately want to know, but we don't need to know. I do like how Trump supporter was quoted as saying, you know, from time to time people take work home with them and this is what's happened. Um, I'm sorry, the last thing, I, last I checked, I didn't have access to top secret documents at my workplace, and if I did, I would wouldn't be taking them home. No, and that was actually uh, a case with ASIO, a former officer by the name of George Sedil, who Mm. was found guilty of mishandling of intelligence and possibly espionage. I don't think it was espionage. But basically, when he was found with classified documents home, he said, oh, we we all had to read these at work, so I just took it home to read it. Yeah. (laughs) You're not in a skiff. And we all knew that. That was one of the... He said, we all do it. I never did. I never took anything classified well, you out just of the wouldn't. Because I was scared that I'd get caught. But, I mean, the thing is, regardless of whether he took work home with him, these are documents he held when he was no longer in power. Exactly. So I think that is the point. You have to believe that something nefarious is going on here because he had many opportunities to return those documents he never did. Yep. So I'm thinking yeah. he could be in a lot of trouble here. He could be in a lot of trouble. Now, the other thing that was really interesting is, you know, he always sort of said that Mar-a-Lago was the southern White House, which mm. it actually was when it was first built. Oh. It was meant to be the summer residence. And I love the- that it's now, you know, the gravesite of his former wife. <laughs> yeah. No, that's the golf course. Oh, sorry. So, and the grave is at the golf course. <laughs> uh, what is it? Ivana. So he can tee off on her every no, day? <laughs> it now means that because it's a gravesite, it's tax deductible. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That now, man. This is the thing, though. This is the mm. really interesting point that people yeah. go. And I read a great article in the salon which had quite a few excerpts from essays about this. One of the things that's really interesting is what is the motivation? Why did he do this? One, and the really important point is, he's a seven-year-old idiot who doesn't know better. Yeah. And that's very plausible. He is quite stupid. I mean, intelligent, but 
He's a child. He he doesn't like being told no. He's a giant man baby. Yes. Right? On the top of that, the next one is, and it's a really good point as well, is because we don't know what's in those files, what dirt is in those files? Yeah. Well, a lot of people are saying that he would have done it for financial gain. I know this about the French president. president. Or the thing is, with that, the dirt file, if it was, yeah. if they are dirt files, the thing is, that's just not so much, that's not the monetary gain. That's the way he can cling to power and also avoid accountability. The last one is, as you said, money. Like, that's the thing that has driven yes. him for his entire career. Well, yeah, because he doesn't really have it. it. I feel like his whole wealth has been smoke and mirrors for the whole time we've heard about it. Exactly. Even though Mar-a-Lago was his residence, it was not a skiff, right? No. Uh, even to the point where there was a launch, North Korea launched a missile early in his presidency yep. while Trump was having dinner with Shinzo Abe on the terrace at Mar-a-Lago. Mm. And he went, oh, well, uh, uh, t- you know, North Korea just launched a missile. Do you want to watch it on my phone? Yeah. And called Shinzo Abe, you know, around and he's surrounded by people handing him documents, they're all classified. And the thing is, it wasn't just Shinzo Abe and Trump at the table. Yeah. At the tables all around them were just members of Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. So this guy had no concept of confidentiality. Well, he kind of did because if you remember early on in his presidency, well, even before he became president, he went really hard after one Hillary Clinton about some emails that contained what was said to be classified information. I believe they were recipes or something, were they? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, but and the and and the sweet irony from that is that he then tightened rules around it. Yep. So he's broken his own rules that he tightened because he went after Hillary Clinton. No one gave him enough rope. He literally walked into <laughs> Bunnings and bought a coil for himself. Now this is the big thing. Now what has happened to this information? Because one of the things, as you said, mm. it sat in a basement and they were looking at. CCTV footage of people going in and out of that In and out, in and out. What's to say that that stuff hasn't been copied? Interestingly enough- You can take photos of it. Jared Kushner got a surprise $2 billion payout from um, Hmm. MBS in- or MSB, I can never remember his name, from Saudi Arabia, from the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, a $2 billion payout. That's a lot of money. That's 64 years in our little uh, dollar a second thing, right? So the the whole thing is it's incredibly, incredibly suspicious what's been going on in the Trump land. Yeah. Well, from one Trump – to one scomo. Oh my god! I was look. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna compare them because I, I don't think they're comparable. But Scott Morrison's five hidden portfolios. Now this was something that was really fascinating. Well, funnily enough, I remember I was sitting in a car watching his press conference on my phone <laughs> because I, I were I you had- yelling. <laughs> No, 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 I was actually being really well. I was eating a pastizzi and drinking a coffee and um, I had the windows up so no one could hear me going, fuck! <laughs> Every time he basically went, well, it's Australia's fault for not knowing. Yeah. I mean, what's so interesting about this, and I'll get your thoughts on it, is how, you know, the Home Affairs Secretary was never informed, how no one was informed, including Australia's top spooks. Yeah. No one knew. Now, that's a really, really important thing to know, right? A couple of things about it. One, by making himself the co-minister of all of these different departments, he was quite within his rights to turn around the department and go, make this decision, I want it done. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. And interestingly enough, mate, he took the treasury from his roommate. He didn't even tell him that he was doing it. Now, the problem with that is it comes down to accountability in parliament because then, you know, the opposition stands up and go, excuse me, this decision was made, why did you make it? And the minister can honestly turn around and say, I didn't make that decision, I don't know what you're talking about, while ScoMo would sit there with his back to the room playing on his phone going, (laughs) no one knows. Now, with intelligence, that's really important because he turned around and went, all right, I need to see all your files on this person and say it's a political opponent. 
the ASIO director is going to turn around and say, well, hang on, why are you asking for it? I'm actually your minister and I need that now. Right, so the problem is having him as a minister meant the intelligence heads didn't know who they were answering to. Well, and this is what's interesting and somewhat disconcerting that the ASIO Director General, Mike Burgess, was completely unaware that Scott Morrison was actually his minister. Now, here's the uh, great point. And one of our listeners on uh, Twitter, at, at Ice Podcast. Podcast. All right. She actually got in touch with me. C is her name. That's all it is. C. Good on you, C. I like that. Now, C sort of went, isn't this a bit of a problem? Mm. Because, you know, how on earth could ASIO not know? Well, very simply... ASIO don't examine, don't keep an eye on our politicians in that regard. Yes. Right. And basically, the Governor-General should go, yes, tick, I, I will ratify the fact that you've signed yourself up as Minister, and then it goes to a thing called the Australian Government Gazette. Yes. Everyone's favourite paper, because it comes out each week, it comes out in several volumes each week. I don't know if it's still hard copy, it may now be online, but the great thing about it is it's very popular because that's where you find new jobs in the public service. Right. But also it has sections like banned films. The censorship board will say <laughs> some of them are absolutely right. shocking. But you know, all these different, it's got all these different sections for different things that are going on in mm. the government, including who is the minister at the moment. Right. So the fact that it was never gazetted, well, there's no reason for ASIO to know. They're not going to be sitting over ScoMo's shoulder checking everything he does and everything he signs. That is actually counterproductive to what they do. It's not their job. Yeah. So it is actually, to me, it's simply it was Morrison's ability to remain unaccountable. That was really it. It was a it was a bit of a. Power oh, there was play. there was no apology, and I think even he, members in his own party were so shocked by it that you know some of them were calling for his resignation. Oh. Now, and interestingly, he's very it's very Trumpian in his response. He was defiant. He skirted around the situation mm-hmm. and talked mostly about what he did as a leader. So I found I do I do feel like when he was prime minister. Excuse me, excuse me, just a minute. Fuck. <laughs> So I do feel like there are a lot of similarities when you compare the two. Very much so. I mean, it's it, it, a very narcissistic-driven personalities, yeah. both of them. And I mean, what's really interesting about Morrison is, you know, the Home Affairs Minister, Karen Andrews, she was Home Affairs Minister at the time. She was really pissed. Yeah. Well, right? she he only really apologised to her- Yesterday. Yesterday. I know. Yesterday. Yeah. As we're recording this, he apologised to her yesterday. And it only was because she was upset, but he, interestingly enough, he'd already apologised to all the men- all all the guys have been, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but what I like was the apology to the Australian people was- There was no um, apology. There was no apology to the Australian people. And the apology was that classic non-apology of, mm. I'm sorry if you were offended by this. Not, I'm sorry I did it. I'm sorry you didn't like that, it. I mean, that's how I apologise to my husband. <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> if you're sad. Oh, I just, I, you know, I, I just get home, get on my knees and stay there because that's where my wife- <laughs> Also, it means we're at eye level. Um, <laughs> She's short. Oh, yes. very short. Um, right, so the, the big thing is we've got to remember this. What Scott Morrison did wasn't illegal. No, but I'm sure that Anthony Albanese is going to look at ways to change it. No, 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 no. Here's the interesting thing. Our parliament works, the Westminster system works on convention, not legislation, right? Yeah. So the conventions are, which basically it is a gentle person's agreement. See what I did there? Yeah. Um, I kept it nice and loose. A they-them? So, We're yeah. having a they-them conversation? <laughs> they-them. We're having a they-them. Yeah. Because, you know, there, there are more than one gender in parliament. Yes. Um, not according to Scott, but to everybody else, there yeah. is more than one. Well, Cole- Cole's one right. of the genders. Cole, yeah. <laughs> Cole, yes. Or is that, or is that an agenda? No, I don't no, know. <laughs> no. Cole is both. It's an agenda and, and a gender. And it has its own, its own bathroom. Yeah. It's very dark <laughs> and dusty in there. I don't know why. Right, so- the, But it powers it, itself. Yeah. 
Cold powered bathroom would I know, be terrible. I know it's gross. So essentially, it was all about accountability with Scotty. Yeah. Whereas with Trump, holy shit, who knows what's going on there? I mean, the classic is in Moscow at the moment. The Russian media are going, our favorite agent in the U.S. government. They're calling him on television, our agent. Right? That's great. That says a lot about yes. what he was doing in there. Yes. So essentially, what I like is Joe Biden's response. Which Joe Biden's response- He didn't been- say anything, which was great because Joe Biden needs to stop talking. Well, he didn't say anything. He did say something. He said- <laughs> I mean, he, whose idea was it to hire someone so old? But to be perfectly honest, he did exactly the right thing by going, this is with the DOJ. It's got yeah. nothing to do with me, right? Yeah. And the interesting thing is, as someone said- When everyone says it's a political witch hunt, it would not be a good idea for him to be involved in this at all. No, and I think he's he's stayed well away, which is great. Which he has to do. He needs to stay back. And look- And uh, also, look, I mean, what this whole Trump thing has done is it's fired up the radicalised right. Mm. Now, that's a really important point because now we have- I mean, you've had- Trump and his followers doxing FBI agents, well, yeah. doxing the, the magistrate judge who signed the warrant, that's really, really bad. And, and like the audacity to be really upset when people say defund the police, but yet they're calling for defunding the FBI. Yeah. <laughs> like what? I mean- and, and as a lot of people have made the point, if the FBI to actually take this action on a former president, Ooh, yeah. it was only because A- they knew that there was something in there that they needed to get. Yep. And B, it was the last strategy. They tried everything else. Yeah, they were at, you know, this was the go nuclear or go home. And they had to do it. And that's the interesting thing is like, it's a great point that people make. And again, in our episode about conspiracy, it really shows it up. What's going on with Trump and his followers is now everything's explainable. Yep. And it's never our fault. The classic was the guy who walked into the FBI headquarters in front in Ohio with a, a rifle and they disarmed him. He was about to go postal yep. with a rifle in the floor of the FBI office in Ohio and he stood there going, I'm doing this for Trump. I'm going to you know, smash the state, save mm. the world, blah, blah, blah. The interesting thing was within hours on, what is it, Trump Social and all the other Truth ones. Social. Uh, Truth Social, right? Yeah. What all of the, and Telegraph and all those things. Yeah. No, that was a false flag. He's actually an FBI officer. They're doing it to, to trap us. Yeah. The same way they're saying about how January 6th, that was a false flag operation. It's like, God damn, it wasn't. So this is the thing. At the moment- it's polarizing even more and at the worst possible time. Yeah, especially because we're America's heading into the midterms. Democrats were polling quite well off the back of Roe v. Wade being overturned by a Supreme Court that was pretty much led by Republican judges. Yeah. So the Democrats were doing incredibly well. So anyone who believes that the FBI are against the Republicans, I mean, if you were to look at it from a Democratic perspective, this has basically fired up the right and put Trump in the center again. So if anything, it's made the Republicans a bit more forward. It's made them forward, but interestingly enough, it's also fired up the Democrats, right? Yes, which they needed to be fired. They need yeah. to be fired up because they worry about the weirdest stuff. They're but, trying to be too woke. And- but also they're, they're very weak in midterms. Yes. They always screw up the midterm election. No, but they, they're, they're polling really, really well, and yeah. I think they have um, a good opportunity here because Roe v. Wade has really fired up even like the most conservative of places. Oh, yeah. Now, here's an interesting point. Everyone said, you know, as Trump said, this is just a witch hunt to – it's an attack on a political opponent to stop me from running for president. Here's the interesting thing. Do you know what you need to qualify to be a candidate for presidency? Uh, a lot of money. Well, yeah, but <laughs> there's only three things you need. 
You need to be, to a be citizen. a naturally born US citizen. Yep. You need to be over the age of 35. Yep. Oh, my God, to get a 35-year-old president would be shocking I anyway. Know. But most of all, you need to have lived in the United States for 14 years, for the 14 years leading up to your wow. candidacy. That's it. So even if you've committed a felony, that does not disqualify you from really? running Really? Yes. Because if you've committed a felony, you're not allowed to vote. Yeah, but you can still run for president. <laughs> this is the interesting oh, thing. Oh, the American irony. Exactly. And it's out of the Constitution that because yeah. the Constitution tells us this. And now that was why when people say, oh, well, you know, this, they're doing it to stop him. This will not stop him from running for okay. president. Now, they could take him to court, but all he'll do is take it to the Supreme Court and we know what's going on yeah. with the Supreme Court. Well, look, it's neither here nor there because I think basically what we're seeing is in New York State, there's a lot going on with the, his taxation oh, stuff, oh, which, which, you know, we won't get into now. But, okay, so let's wrap this up. Yeah. Trump, bad. Trump, <laughs> Scott Morrison, bad. Now, uh, here's the interesting point. As you've said how... The Trump thing is polarised, we've said. It's polarising the United States. It's G'ing up the right, it's G'ing up the left. Everything's going on like that. Morrison, it's literally made the entire country, both conservative and social democrat or socialist, it's made both sides of politics go, will you just piss off? I know, and the thing is, just resign already. Yeah, just go. Just go. I think when Andrew Bolt went, yeah, no, just just go now. Yeah. It's like, when I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, I agree with Andrew Bolt and Karen Andrews. I know. It's time to go. It's topsy-turvy land. Yeah. It's- I think you and your five personalities can leave. Yeah. Yeah. Each one of them. Don't hold the hearts. No. No.